You're tuned in to the thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Featuring author, speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. want to welcome you to a brand new history makers edition the super bowl edition of the thinking out loud radio show congratulations to the kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes of winning his second super bowl we've got a great show in store for you we're going to be sharing with you in just a little bit an interview that we had with the newly appointed uh, judge of the, third, of the 50th District of Pontiac, Michigan, my good friend, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, who was a... You know, you see him on... You, know, you see Tyree Nichols on the corner, and you see two officers, I think, was wrestling with him. You know, trying to arrest him, trying to arrest him. You know, they were, you know, wrestling him up, but they were beating him. Then you see one officer come out of, uh, around the car and just kick him three times. And then you see another officer comes with the nightstick, you know, and just beats him on the arm multiple times. They stand him up, and then one officer punched him at least four times. I believe it was a fifth time that sent him down to the ground. They absolutely deserve to be charged and face justice. Black, white, Asian, Indian, Mexican, Puerto Rican, I don't care who you are. It's time. 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 For the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Thought of the Week. And it's this last stanza where the iconic and legendary composer James Weldon Johnson gives credit where credit is due. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, keep us forever on the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the place, our God, where we met Thee. Lest our heart drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. People of God, he has brought us from a mighty, mighty long way. We ought to give God a new episode of the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast starts now.
Hello and welcome to a brand new History Makers edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemmons. You're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Guys, we want to welcome you to a brand new History Makers edition, the Super Bowl edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes for winning his second Super Bowl uh, as of this recording. Uh, they are the 2022 NFL uh, Super Bowl champs. Kansas City uh, did win, uh, and uh, congratulations to them. I mean, this was a hard-fought game. I knew it was going to be uh, a battle to the finish. Uh, it was a lot of uh, back and forth between uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. It kind of got off to – Eagles got off to a fast start there, and uh, Jalen Hurts and them, they were clicking on all cylinders and it looked like Patrick Mahomes injury might might be um, a problem for Kansas City but they ended up pulling it out in the end with a last second field goal the score was tied 35-35 and what I have to say about Andy Reid he is a uh, he is a um uh, he, you know, where where coaches are playing checkers, this guy is playing chess. I'm telling you, he is playing chess. If you if you watch this game, Andy Reid is uh, one of the NFL's best uh, coaches, uh, uh, top to bottom. Uh, I think he's right behind Belichick, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Belichick is right at the top, and then Andy Reid is a is a close second uh, to uh, to Bill Belichick with two Super Bowl champ. Uh, championships with the Kansas City Chiefs. This guy is playing chess. And, um, you know, when it looked like Patrick Mahomes' injury would uh, end up uh, kind of handcuffing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I, I, you know... They, they ended up pulling it out, guys, and uh, there's nothing else you can say about it. I was rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and I was rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, I want to see a good game, period, and we did get that. I wasn't disappointed by no means, and I didn't expect that I would be because these were the two number one seeds out of both the NFC and the AFC. Uh, Philly had a successful season regardless of what happened in the Super Bowl. I do think Jay Jalen Hurts got robbed uh, for not be, not being the league's MVP. He should have been uh, named the league MVP uh, because uh, he deserved it, guys. I mean, think about what the Eagles were last year. Jalen Hurts was uh, considered a bum quarterback. Uh, he, he he they might have been getting rid of him uh, at the end of this season had he not had such a great season, a turnaround season, uh, sixteen and three. I mean that. That's incredible. Now it's 16 and four with a Super Bowl loss, but but believe me, guys, uh, the Eagles are a team to be looking out for in 2020, uh, 2024. Uh, that that the, this uh, season coming up, uh, but definitely Kansas City. You gotta give you gotta give them props, man. Uh, we thought uh, well, not we. I didn't think I I, I was still riding with Kansas City, uh, even with Tyreek Hill going to uh, the uh, the Las Vegas. Raiders, but I still believe, uh, no, he went to Miami Dolphins, I'm sorry, uh, the Miami Dolphins, but uh, losing Tyreek Hill, there were many people who thought that 
uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were not going to make the playoffs. And uh, Bart uh, Scott, I believe, that's his name, analyst on ESPN, Mr. Big Mouth, uh, said early in the season, sitting across from Stephen A. Smith, uh, bold prediction uh, that the Kansas City Chiefs would not even make the playoffs. I'm wondering what he's saying now. Not only did they make the playoffs, they were the number one seed out of the AFC yet again. They won the AFC championship game the five, five years in a row, five seasons in a row, and they are two-time Super Bowl champions. What does he have to say now? I can't wait to hear from him. He's been radio silence. I haven't, I haven't heard from him. I might have missed him on ESPN. I got to look, look him up on Twitter to see what he's got to say. But I thought I would put that in there because this is the Super Bowl edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Just doing a quick recap of the Super Bowl. And I thought the Rihanna performance was pretty cool uh, with the levitated uh, platforms and everything uh, you know um, she she did her thing uh, this was a uh, one of the you know one of the one of the better um, Super Bowl halftime shows again I think that the Michael Jackson performance probably tops them all. Some say Prince is up there uh, too. Uh, Michael number, some say Prince is number one. Mike number two. I say Mike number one. Prince number two. Or, or uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of uh, biased toward Michael Jackson because you got to go back to that Buffalo Bills, uh, Dallas. I think it was Buffalo Bills and Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl. Um, uh, might have been 1988, I think, uh, offhand. Can't really remember exactly, but that was a Super Bowl halftime show to remember. Look it up on YouTube, guys. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. But I wasn't disappointed in this Super Bowl at all. Uh, I thought it was a great one, and it went all the way down to the wire. Again, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs for pulling it out and uh, becoming this year's Super Bowl champs. We've got a great show in store for you. We're going to be sharing with you in just a little bit an interview that we had with the newly appointed uh, judge of the third, of the 50th district of Pontiac, Michigan, my good friend, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, who was appointed by Governor Whitmore uh, back in December of 2020 uh, to this position. And we are so very excited again to have him on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. He's been on a couple times before, if you recall, he was on uh, a few years ago as a panelist for uh, our Speak Up, Speak Out panel that we did when we talked about the Ahmaud Arbery uh, brutal killings uh, just a few years ago. We had a very, uh, uh, I think, insightful and informative panel of um, attorneys and police officers and other uh, civic-minded individuals that were a part of this uh, panel. And um, we talked about um, next steps uh, regarding this growing problem of police brutality in our community. Uh, this podcast is available. You can go back in our archives and pull it up anywhere you listen to your podcast, including michaelnimmons.com. And then uh, he was back on. Uh, maybe I think it might have been uh, last year sometime uh, as a mayoral candidate for the city of Pontiac. Uh, he did not 
win that bid, but uh, he talks about the lessons that he learned as a part of uh, uh, this week's uh, interview. Uh, that we'll be sharing with you in just a little bit. So, guys, we're excited about uh, talking to and sharing with you uh, this interview from the Honorable Jeremy Bowie in just a few minutes. And, guys, let me just say uh, I want to give a special shout-out to all of our new TikTok followers. Our TikTok is blowing up, guys. I mean, as of last week, uh, last episode uh, where we aired our interview with uh, the youngest mayor of uh, in U.S. history from Earl, Arkansas, Mayor Jalen Smith, who was on, on last week's show, uh, we, had, uh, uh, we had less than 100 TikTok followers, and that was last week. But now we are close. We are at 350 as of right now. 350 followers. Our TikTok has blown up considerably. A couple of our videos have gone viral. Um, the video where we're where uh, Stephen A. Smith is talking about Michael Jordan with Kendrick Perkins and. They're going back and forth about who's the greatest between LeBron and, My and Michael Jordan. That video has gotten over two 200,000 views and a lot of comments. People are going back and forth with each other in that video. Uh, we haven't responded to anybody's comments because that video has really gotten out of hand in my view. But um, I want to say... Uh, thank you to all of those who are following us now. We hope that you will also subscribe to uh, the podcast as well. Uh, we have a lot of great things that we're going to be doing this year. A lot of great people we're going to be talking to and talking about in, in um, this, uh, this platform that we call the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So we want to welcome all of our new TikTok followers, all of our Instagram followers, YouTube followers, Facebook followers, Twitter followers. Wherever you're listening to us, we appreciate it uh, across all platforms. We want to thank you for taking a few minutes of your day to spend it with us right here on the Thinking Out, Out Loud Radio. Stay tuned for our next week's show, guys. It's going to be hot. I'm telling you, we are going to be sharing with you an interview we, we have with um, Senator uh, Chevron Jones from the state of Florida. He's going to be our next week's guest uh, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show talking about what is going on in the state of Florida. You know, we, we've talked a couple episodes ago about Governor DeSantis and him trying to block African-American studies uh, being taught in high schools uh, claiming uh, all kinds of things that are involved in this particular curriculum uh, but we're going to get down to the brass tacks uh, in uh, next week's edition with uh, the Florida Senator Chevron Jones he's going to be on with us and uh, we're also going to talk about why uh, they don't want to deal with and talk about critical race theory and institutional racism which is a reality in this country we're going to talk about that so roll up is we're going to roll Roll up our sleeves and get down to the nitty gritty in next week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So, guys, this is definitely an interview that you do not want to miss. I guarantee it. 
in addition to our interview with the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, we're going to be sharing with you a very powerful excerpt from a message that we were blessed to deliver on this Sunday uh, in the absence of our pastor, the Honorable Bishop Charles Haywood Elsa III and First Lady Chrisette Ellis at Greater Grace Temple. They're on vacation. And I had the opportunity to share a message God had given to us entitled Keep On Dreaming. We want to share with you uh, an excerpt of that sermon in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show as our thought of the week. I can't wait to share it with you at the end of this week's show. Well, guys, we're getting ready to take a break, but when we come back, we're jumping right into my interview with newly appointed judge of the 50th District in Pontiac, Michigan, appointed by Governor Gretchen Whitmore. We're going to do it on the other side of the break. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio. Award-winning journalist, Carolyn. Clifford. As journalists, we just have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out. And all we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner, and everything else will work itself out. Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson. Obviously not Nancy Pelosi, because again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that she's not going to be the one who stopped uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud, but talking out loud, whoever they are, authentically. Pastor and intellectual, Dr. Frederick Haynes III. In the black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar, L.H. Welchel, uh, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, that's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're gonna be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to, you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio. On January 15th, 1929, a king was born. Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when this happens. He was a fighter for justice, equal rights, and freedom for all mankind. salute you today, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and may your legacy live on for generations to come. Happy birthday, Dr. King. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. 
the new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking experience. All right, guys, we are back on this Black History Month edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I've got a great friend of mine uh, on back on with me. He's been on the show a couple times already, and he's um, doing some phenomenal things. And I can't wait to share uh, with you an interview, uh, share this interview with you, uh, with you. Uh, but I want to give him a proper introduction before we get started. Uh, the Honorable Jeremy D. Bowie is a graduate of Michigan State University. Go Spartans um, uh, with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science Pre-Law. He's worked in the U.S. Senate for Senator Carl Levin and in the White House for uh, former President Barack H. Obama. Uh, Judge Bowie is a graduate of the Western Michigan University Thomas M. Cooley Law School, where he earned his Juris Doctorate in May of 2015. Judge Bowie worked for the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, where he prosecuted misdemeanors and felony domestic violence cases. On December 14, 2022, the Honorable Jeremy D. Boyd was appointed to the 50th Judicial District in Pontiac, Michigan by Governor Gretchen Whitmore. Judge Bowie assumed the, the bench on January 9th, 2023. Uh, on January 9th, 2023. I want you to give a warm, thinking out loud radio show welcome to good friend of ours uh, and newly appointed judge of the 50th District by Governor Gretchen Whitmore, the Honorable Jeremy D. Boy, welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Jeremy. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to being on the podcast and us having fun. Absolutely, man. And uh, before we even get started, you know, Jeremy was on the show. The last time he was on the show, he was running for mayor of Pontiac, and um he didn't. He he was not successful in his bid uh, for uh, mayor, running for mayor of Pontiac. But uh, as you heard in his bio, he is now Judge the Honorable uh, Judge Jeremy Bowie. Let me first say congratulations to you, uh, Your Honor. I appreciate it. This is Jeremy. <laughs> Everybody's been doing that. This is Jeremy. I'm still Bowie. Oh, you still Bowie? <laughs> I'm still Bowie. Well, that's great, man, that you can remain humble, uh, even in the midst of all of your accolades and accomplishments. Congratulations again to you. I saw it uh, on social media. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I said, man, we got to have you back on the Thinking Out Loud radio show to give you formal congrats. Uh, and of course, to uh, update our listeners on what you have been up to since the last the last time we talked. So uh, right out the gate again, one of the late the last times, as you as we said, you were on the show, you were running for mayor of Pontiac. And obviously you were not successful in your bid at to become mayor. But I want you to tell us about what were some of the lessons that you learned from running your campaign and how it's led you to where you are 
right now? Yeah, so, you know, being, you know, the first to do everything in your family, honestly, you you don't really have a roadmap. You know, you don't have someone in home to say, hey, you know, mom, dad, how do you run a campaign? So the first thing you turn to is the Internet. You turn to people you know that's in politics or you know, who, who are around that understand campaigns it could be community members who've been on campaigns. So, um, I learned a lot, you know, one thing I learned is fundraising, getting out there early, you know, you want to get your, your support because at the end of the day, your campaign runs on money. It's like gas to a car. Mm-hmm. You don't have gas in the car. It ain't going to move. So the gas to your campaign is financing, you know, is money and support. So, you know, I learned that, you know, maybe if you want to run an election, I would say don't even maybe a year and a half in advance, you know, you want to start putting those fillers out there. You want to meet with uh, important stakeholders of the community, important uh, like churches, uh, business owners, you know, community organizers. So I I learned that. I'm also learning, you know, have a strategy of how you want to do it and understand your community. And I, and I, Pontiac, you know, we have a millennial community, but it's not, you know, on technology like that. Right. So, you know, you, you, you got to knock doors, which we did, but also, you know, uh, you got to show up to events. We did a lot of events, um, but you just, you have to target communities where people vote and go to that community and cater to that community as to how they communicate. And, and, and with Pontiac, unfortunately, we're millennial. We have a lot of millennials or the population majority millennial, but they don't vote as much as, you know, our older population, our baby boomers, you know, our, and, the, you know, the older generation. So with the older generation, you got to show up, you get mailers, you know, you got to, you know, door to door as with my, me and my generation, we're more of text, you know, social media. So I learned to understand your, your, your audience. Demographic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah to recognize your audience, to communicate to your audience the way they like to be communicated to. So yeah. that was one thing I learned. So, and then also just to put a solid team around you, mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody has lanes. The financial person shouldn't be doing the field. The field person, should, you know, shouldn't be doing the finance, <laughs> you know, put a team around so I can be the candidate, you know? And so, um, it was fun though. I, you know, the hustle, the bustle, the grind, I would do it again, but, those are like kind of like the three keys, you know, money, understanding your community and putting a solid team around you are three things I learned that I think that would be key in any election. Right. Right. And, and really, you know, mentioning the, the, the communication, uh, uh, connection that, uh, you know, with, with the, the different demographics that you're trying to reach, particularly with the millennials, because we, we see that that is a group that we continually have to encourage to go to the polls and vote. We don't have to do it as much with the the senior population because they they've come up through the ranks and they know uh, they understand what they what they what they went through, what their ancestors went through, what their predecessors went through to get to this point. So they appreciate right. the right to vote. Uh, right. there's there seems to be a lack of appreciation and, and understandably so for the, the 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 millennials because there is an apathy with voting when they when they're looking at politics and when they're looking at who's running they're looking at you know what have they done and what their record is and whatnot so there is some uh there, there is some um 
some 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 challenges, I'm sure, for that demographic as well. But that you make some great points and and they're definitely well taken, guys. I know you are enjoying again my interview with the honorable Jeremy Bowie of the 50th District. He is back with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And no, and so Jeremy, you know, you know, um, how does how does it feel to to make the transition from uh, attorney to now sitting judge of the uh, of um, the 50th district in Pontiac. Talk to us about the transition because in your bio uh, it says that you were appointed by Governor Gretchen Whitmore. Uh, that is a very very um, high accomplishment um, to come to come from this sitting governor to make this appointment. So how does it feel now to move from attorney to now sitting judge? It's, uh, you know, it has been quite a transition. Um, you know, as an attorney, I'm running around, you know, in courts, you know, and I'm like, God, I hope I don't make the judge mad. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and now being a judge, you're on the end of that, like, where is this attorney? But you understand mm-hmm. that, you know, attorneys are in multiple courts. You can be a, I can have a case, attorney can have a case at Frank Murphy Hall of Justice and they have to get up Woodward to 50th District or Oakland County Circuit Court. So, you know, that that's one adjustment. And then two, just the hustle and bustle of being an attorney, you know, you know, going out there and meeting clients. You're not meeting the client as a judge because you have no clients, you know, uh, pouring through discovery on a case, you know, strategizing about a case. As a judge, you don't do none of that because mm-hmm. you have to be impartial and you have to get the facts that are in court. And so um, it, it has been a transition. Um, and especially, you know, all courts don't run the same. So practicing at 36th district, I court in Detroit, you know, in my, in my young, in my legal career, I, I say young, like I'm 20 years in, but I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> 10 yet. You know, you, you see like how courtrooms are ran. They have a judge, you have a court reporter, you have a court clerk, you know, you have divisions, you have the criminal division, the traffic division, the, the civil division. We're here at 50th district court here in Pontiac. I do all of that. And so does my other two colleagues, Chief Judge uh, Cynthia Walker and, and Judge uh, Rhonda Gross. We are we we are a civil division. We are a criminal division. We are a traffic division. So, um, you know, it's it's just you know I've always been busy as an attorney, always having a heavy caseload as a prosecutor, defense attorney, um, and I even have that now as a judge, a heavy caseload. And so, but the biggest difference is 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 really the. Uh, me being the judge and not having clients and, and things of that nature being impartial. But other than that, and then learning the court system, like it's a different culture here in Pontiac than it was in Detroit. So um, that's probably been the biggest transition. And I, I've been soaking it in every single day. Like I've been a sponge, like, okay, how can I do things better? How can I position the docket to where it's, I'm not overwhelmed by 70 cases a day or 50 or 40, you know? So um, I'm giving myself, I'm, I'm learning and I'm going to take all the time I need. That is awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, I have to go back to, um, and I want you to kind of, uh, to share with us, um, how did you get the attention of governor Gretchen Whitmore to make the appointment? Because, you know, obviously this, this, um, this came about, 
this disappointment was made by the governor. Um, you know, how did you get the governor's attention? What 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 was that process like? Because I know that that it it you know that just didn't come out of nowhere. She had to they they your name had to come up some kind of way. So share with us what that process was like. So uh, I remember a friend of mine called me and said, you know, uh, you know, so the judge I took over uh, who retired, who I took a term I took over is uh, Judge Martinez. I remember friends said, hey, Judge Martinez retiring, the 50th District Court is having, you know, it will be vacant. There will be a vacant seat. Now, Pontiac, um, it used to have four judges. It was, uh, but Judge Preston Thomas passed and they never, they grandfathered his seat out. They never filled his seat um, because of population. Uh, we needed four judges at the time, but because the population declined, whatnot, they only, they didn't fill his seat again. So Judge Martinez, you know, retired after he he ran, he won the state bar website. And I kind of went backwards and forwards about it. I said, do I really want to do this? I'm like, you know, um, do I really want to do this? You know, I kept going backwards and forward, you know, and also, you know, I consulted with God about it. I'm like, all right. And then eventually, you know, the science came and said, put your application in. So oh, I put my application okay. in um, and then, uh, I never forget. So you got to go through the state, uh, the judicial qualification board. That's through the state of Michigan, the uh, state bar of Michigan. And so I remember I had an interview and I was in Tennessee on a federal case. And I'm like, oh man, I got to get on Zoom for this interview for my federal case. And, you know, it's an interview of about 16 to 17 attorneys. And it's like, they tell you, there's like, it's going to be a tense interview. People are going to look, it's on Zoom. People are going to look at you talking. You may not get questions from anybody. You may get a few questions. And so I went through my interview and they asked about everything, Michael. They asked finances, list, list all the financial, uh, you know, any taxes you owe, anything. Like you got to be completely transparent, transparent and honest with this application. Right. And so uh, they're asking me questions about my application. And um, it was a one attorney asking a lot of questions. He was the attorney that investigated me. And I got one question outside of him. And I did not know that the governor's uh, counsel was on that Zoom call. And so, you know, because I told uh, someone I knew who went through the process, who was appointed, I was like, hey, this, these are all the people who are on the call. And he was like, yeah, that person works in Governor Whitmer's office. And so they don't tell you. They said, okay, thank you, bye. They, they got to give the governor's <laughs> office, they give you three scores, qualified, not qualified. They give you highly qualified, qualified, or not qualified. That's what they recommend over to Governor Whitmer's office. And so, and then I get a call uh, from Governor Whitmer's office for another Zoom interview, but with, just with people within her office, her counsel within her office. And then once again, they tell me, like, there's no timeline. We'll let you know. We'll let you know either way. And so, um, I remember her director of appointments. Um, she was she left the office. She was leaving, and I got a call from the new director of appointments. And I'm thinking, okay, well, the new director of appointments just want to talk to me because she wasn't on the last call. You know, I'm thinking it's just us, me reintroducing myself to her, introducing myself to her. But she gave me a specific time that she was going to call the next day. She was like, Jeremy, do you have time between 11:20 and 11:35 tomorrow? I was like, yeah, I do. And so. I remember I was at Oakland County Circuit and I was in there for a while. And I'm like, man, I need to really get out of here. So I got out in time and then I drove down Telegraph because I go 
uh, Telegraph Lodge to get to Perkins Law Group. That's where I was working prior to being appointed. And I stopped at the Starbucks on Telegraph and 12 Mile, and I get a call. It's the new director of appointments, and she said, I'm going to patch Governor Whitmer over to you. And I get on the phone, and Governor Whitmer gets on the phone, and it's just, she's like, yeah, uh, Jeremy, I'm really excited. My staff is excited. I'm, I'm appointing you to the 50th District Court. And she was like, just keep it quiet until I have the press release tomorrow. And then, but you can tell, you know, your close family and friends of what I did. And yeah, it was just a lot of people had, I talked to a lot of people about the process. A lot of people weren't successful. A lot of people had, you know, million different ways. It just seemed it was divine order because it just flowed. And so, um, you know, I, I never forget someone who spoke on my behalf told Governor Whitmer, she was like, he was like, if you if you want to if you want to win now, pick the other person. But if you want to compete and win f- for a long time, pick Jeremy. He did a, he did a sports analogy. He said, if you want to win now, pick the other person. If you want to win multiple Super Bowls in the future, pick pick Jeremy. And so, um, you know, I just thank everybody who was a part of the process. I had a lot of support from judges, pro- county prosecutors, Kim Worthy, Karen McDonald, like. A lot of people supporting me, Ty Perkins, you know, and so it, it just fell in order, Michael. Like some things in life just fall in order, and that's how you know it's divine order. You're supposed to be there, and it's yours, and and that's how the process was. Uh, that is that is awesome. I'm glad I asked the question because you know this was something that I thought about when I um, again reached out to to have you on the show. You know, I'm not familiar with you know, how those appointments go and, and whatnot, but but definitely congratulations again, guys. I know you're enjoying my interview with a uh, newly appointed uh, judge of the 50th District, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie. He's with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Guys, we're getting ready to take a break. When we come back, we're jumping right back into my interview with the newly appointed judge for the 50th District, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie. You don't want to go anywhere you tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, guys. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Hey, what's cracking, Planet Earth? It's your boy, Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Minneapolis, Minnesota, to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. 
we must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jamel Hill. And to ask ourselves, how is it that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time? Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying, Oh no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they could say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations to the descendants of the Jews that were killed in our. That's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It was my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it, he talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back again on the Black History Month edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And again, I have my good friend, newly appointed, uh, uh, new, newly appointed judge to the 50th district, your honor, uh, the honorable Jeremy Bowie, <laughs> he's with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And uh, we were talking in the first segment about, you know, his appointment to this uh, this position and, you know, kind of um, how his career has kind of led up to uh, this position. And uh, well, we're going to make a transition because I always like to talk about real world events and real world uh, uh, issues that are happening that, are affecting us and and kind of get uh, the judge's opinion and have him weigh in on some things that are happening around us. And so uh, I want to talk about uh, what's happening in the state of Florida with uh, Governor DeSantis. You know, this is Black History Month, uh, and um, which of course is the celebration and annual ce- celebration, the commemoration of the contributions that we as a people, uh, Black people of the past, present and the future made to the advancement of this country. And recently we have a governor and Governor DeSantis in the state of Florida that wants to ban the study of African-American history in Florida high schools because, according to him, it is a violation of state law. Uh, Your Honor, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, uh, do you agree agree with what is happening uh, in the state of Florida right now? I don't... uh... You know, it's you're not teaching history 
you know, I teach in real history. You know, it's America doesn't like the mirror to the face. You right. know, we, mm. we we set ourselves out as this country of the land of the free, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, which we are. But the equal opportunity or the access of that is something we struggle with, and we don't like to hear that from ourselves. Um, you know, Black history is important. Black history tells the full story of this country. And it gives you an insight on a culture uh, on why we are who we are and how we operate in our struggles. And when you do that, you know, you, you kind of segregate. I mean, you're teaching it's, it's segregation again. Once again, you're saying we're not going to teach about this set of people. We're not going to teach about this culture um, because, oh, you know, it may make people feel bad. Well, how do you think we feel by not speaking about ourselves? You know, how do you, how does it make how does it black kid feel when they go to a district and the district doesn't even want to cover history about them, you know, or their struggles? You know, so there's a double edged sword to this. I understand that it may make people feel uncomfortable, but you cannot rewrite history. You can't rewrite history. History is cemented, but you can rewrite you can write the past the future. You can write the present. And so um I totally disagree with DeSantis and what he's doing because it's just he's segregating a population of people. He's the governor of Florida, and I'm pretty sure there's black people in Florida. So he's turning his back on them when he's been elected to also represent, you know, African American, African culture, the people of African descent. I completely agree with you. And what he is saying, he's using this anti woke policy, uh, uh, the the ban on uh, teaching critical race theory. Uh, in the state of Florida, which essentially says that, you know, there is no such thing as systematic racism uh, that exists in the country when, you know, we we obviously know that, 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 that the truth of the matter is that is the case. And right. the ironic part about what he's doing is he's actually doing exactly what he's what he's what he's attempting to ban right. by by banning African-American studies he's actually proving that critical race theory actually exists in this country. Systematic racism does exist because he is a part of the institution that is uh, uh, discriminating or segregating a particular group of people from, uh, from learning about and, and, and uh, learning about their culture. He is, he is actually, a part of the problem. And and yeah. I don't even know if he even understands that or knows that. Uh, we talked about this in uh in one of our earlier episodes in January that this this is uh this is what we're dealing with. And I really believe um that uh he is going to be he's not just wrong for the state of Florida, but he is wrong for this country because in my view uh, DeSantis and the state of Florida is a microcosm of what the United States could look like if he ever became president right. of the United States. That is a dangerous proposition uh, to even consider or think about. Um, and uh, and so, you know, you and I totally agree in that regard that he is dangerous. In fact, I think he's worse than Donald Trump because he's a little bit smarter uh, and yeah. more intelligent. Than, yeah. uh, than Trump he is because he's using the system uh, to, um, to 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 do his evil push deed. His agenda. To push his agenda yeah. exactly, um, and and I'll say this before I jump into the next question: 
the Republican Party, white conservatives are looking for a populist candidate uh, like uh, DeSantis because they are trying to divorce themselves of Donald Trump because of the damage that he's already done to the party. So you have the MAGA supporters that are over in the corner uh, somewhere, uh, but then you have the populist uh, uh, or the the, uh, the the majority of Republicans that are in search of a candidate that represents them. And DeSantis looks, he fits that category uh, very nicely for them. And, uh, right. and so that's why I think he is wrong for uh, this country. He's wrong for Florida. He's wrong for this country. And, uh, and, and something has to be done. And with that in mind, uh, attorney Ben Crump is planning to file a lawsuit against Governor DeSantis and the uh, Federal Department of uh, Florida Department of Education if he does not agree to negotiate with uh, the uh, college board and allow for the study of African-American history in Florida high schools. Do you believe that this is the right approach to pushing back against uh, the seemingly racist Florida policy? I believe so. Once again, you know, you're you have a, a group of people who are being segregated, who are being oppressed. They're being told not that a formal education of learning about themselves would not be possible. And then you're also you're also hindering folks ability. So let's say I'm a student in Florida. I can only afford Florida uh, in-state tuition but I want to study African-American history and film and diaspora. You mean to tell me that I can't go to school in my state mm. and study? You're, you're, you're essentially hindering me from getting my education. Mm -hmm. I have a right to an education. Right. And so um, I believe Ben Crump should have filed this lawsuit, you know, uh, and that I hopefully it's successful. I want it to be successful. It should be. And I think the Supreme Court will say, you, you cannot tell students who are paying money what they can or cannot study, you know? And so uh, I, I believe this is the right course of action that Ben Crump, you know, who is a, who is our modern day civil rights pioneer um, is taking. And once again, I don't think anyone is sitting around looking holistically, but however, the majority in, in the majority in the house of uh, Florida house representative, Florida Senate is Republican. You know, and so uh, no one is sitting around saying, what's the global effect of, of this bill? Like a lot of times when bills are passed, you have constitutional lawyers. You're supposed to have constitutional lawyers reviewing these bills, making sure uh, the free, you know, First Amendment rights are not being infringed upon of, of speech and expression and association. And so I don't see how this bill even clear muster, but I can see. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I believe that Ben Crump is right to challenge this in the courts because once again, you are preventing people from access to education. I, I shouldn't, if I live in, and we know how much uh, out of state tuition is, it's a killer, uh -huh. you know, compared to an in-state person paying than an out-state person. So now you're forcing a person out of state in the state, in the state of Florida to go somewhere else and play an out of state tuition rate because your state doesn't allow them to uh, a subject and, and African-American study is not an archaic study. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a, a evil subject or anything. It's black people or people learning about the history of African-Americans, not only in the United States, but in our motherland, Africa. Uh -huh. And so uh -huh. 
to to ban a study of this is you're infringing upon someone's right to an education. So this is a much needed lawsuit. And I hope that the opinions that come down will cut the legs out of any other legislator legis, legislation in this in this country, any other state who tries to pass this. I hope it cuts the legs from underneath them and said, you cannot ban this. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And uh it 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 just you you wonder sometimes do these Republican uh, legislatures even consult with lawyers when these bills are created or, uh, or proposed because it doesn't seem like they are. It seems like, you know, they, they've taken up, um, uh, they, they're, they're using the Trump playbook when it comes to um, th- this type of legislation because what Trump does is, you know, he says, okay, you want to sue me? Okay, go ahead, sue me. Um, you know, he just, he lives in court or he mm-hmm. has attorneys that live in court. So, you know, he said, okay, I got, I got, yeah. I got the money. So we'll just go ahead and fight it out in court. Um, and, and maybe that's what mm-hmm. they're, they're planning on, uh, with, uh, these types of racist legislation. But I, I think again, he is bad for, uh, this country and uh and and trying to again ban African American history. Now DeSantis is saying, he said in one clip that uh he's doing it because um this curriculum uh contains um uh information about queer uh uh he said it was um if uh, the queer agenda is kind of integrated into this African uh, American AP African American studies courses. Uh, but you know, the problem I have is, you know, how can, if that is, if that is a part of our history, then that's a part of our history. Uh, you can't, you cannot segregate out what you feel people should know, uh, students should know about and should know about, uh, because if, if that is a part of our history, that is a part of our history. Um, and, and how does a, how does a person's sexual orientation have anything to do with their value as a human being? Uh, that, right. that, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and, uh, and so when I posted a video of being Crump making this announcement, I mean, I had a wide range of comments, people, uh, trying to basically lambast attorney Crump because he's pursuing this. Uh, and and right. saying because Republicans, white conservatives, are uh, are afraid that 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 you know, and offended by uh, African American history, but they're trying to use uh, this this the queer agenda, uh, uh, saying that this is a part of a um, LBGTQ uh, communities agenda that they've integrated into African American studies. I don't know what what are your thoughts about that. I uh, once again, what does someone, as you said, sexual orientation have to do with you know African American studies? And he's even he's even trying to ban the talks of, of sexual orientation and in the workplace, uh, you know, the in the workplace and in school. So right. you know, he's saying K through third, we're not having this discussion and. Fourth through twelfth, we're going to monitor to see if it's age appropriate, mm-hmm. you know. And then he's even taking 
uh, protection. So if a kid doesn't feel comfortable, and, and there are some cultures out there where you can't be gay. It's mm. wrong. Mm. And so what he's done is he's taking maybe he's taking the confidentiality of that student going to a counselor at school and saying, you know, I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. Uh, and he's saying, no, that, that counselor must tell the parent. Well, well, now you don't know the havoc that you cause. You can cause abuse at that home with that child. You can cause suicidal thoughts. So once again, when these policies are promulgated, there needs to be a global view of, of I know we can't think of all the effects, but uh, having people out themselves when they're not comfortable, um, that leads to detrimental effects, suicide, you know, your, your, your family cutting you off, you know, just uh, embarrassment. And so I disagree with his agenda of pulling the uh, LBGTQ agenda out of the schools. Um, once again, you have to learn the whole picture of America because that community has played a role in America. That community has played a role in our history. And so I, I get it that, you know, you want to protect kids in school. I think there's a limit. There's a certain, uh, 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 you know, limit it should go as far as students learning in school, but it also falls on the parent. Right. You know, it also falls on the parents to continue to educate at home about sexual orientation, creating a comfortable environment where their kids can feel comfortable saying, hey, mom, dad, this is what I have going on. These are my feelings. But also that culture should be there at school to where that student can go to that counselor and say, this is what's going on. Because there is privileged communication between that student and that counselor. If it's if it's about that and not about, you know, obviously wanting to commit harm or, or, or commit crimes. Right. You know, that confidentiality really doesn't protect doesn't doesn't protect that. But as far as sexual orientation or just privacy or what's going on in the home, that c communication is privileged to a certain extent. So um, once again, and I go back to my point, you know, are these bills what are these bills based on love or is it based on hate? you know are we are we taking in consideration our human our human uh colleagues our you know the lbg community the black community the asian community are we taking them into effect into account and see what effects it has on them no we're just legislating because we feel america should be this way uh -huh. america should be the way it should be inclusive of all cultures sexual orientations races and religion and when you have these type of bills when you have these type of uh, lawmakers you 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 lose the fabric of what america really is about you know and so i definitely don't agree with DeSantis. there is no correlation between african american studies and queer i'm black and i'm not gay right you know so there's no correlation and one should not be made. There are two dis distinct different, um, you know, just two distinct different cultures. However, they're both cultures that need to be respected and acknowledged and not pushed to the side because you don't agree with it. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate what's going on in Florida. And to be honest with you, I want my kids studying or living in Florida if they're not getting the full education or if they're not, uh, if, if, if being themselves is being legislated out, you know, if they are uh, uh, of, of the LBTGQ plus community, they should be able to feel comfortable in that state and going to school, you know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really unfortunate and um, that, that, that we've gotten to this point, but Republicans uh, seem to seem to, 
you know, they constantly say that we're we're doing this on behalf of the American people. Uh, I hate to hear that because they yes. they you yes. you you, you, you t- they are the most tone deaf. Uh, political party. That's what they've become. The most tone deaf political party uh, in in uh, in the last uh, decade, I would say. The most tone deaf when it comes to what the uh, needs and desires of the American people are and have been. And uh, it's unfortunate that this is where uh, where we are. You know, I want to find out from you. Um, you know, Attorney Crump. Uh, how how do you how do you really see this lawsuit playing out? Uh, you know, Attorney Crump believes that they are in a good position to win this lawsuit against Governor DeSantis uh, in the state of Florida, uh, but he also knows that if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't win, it sets a dangerous precedent uh, because other states like uh, Texas, Tennessee, Virginia uh, could adopt similar legislation and ultimately ban african-american mm-hmm. studies across the country you know what do you, what do you, what do you think of that it's a scary proposition because you know you have you, you will look at the very top this could go up to the united states supreme court yeah and we have there a 6-3 conservative leaning court Right, you know, so it's a you already seen what's happened Roe versus Wade, you know, and so you have a conservative court, uh, you have a really conservative judiciary, you know, this could this could whittle down the states in which you can study African American history or you can go to school and say, hey, I need to speak to my counselor. I'm, you know, having feelings, uh, you know, my sexual orientation is in question. And it really would have to come down to us voting again. Like I mm-hmm. said previously, <laughs> millennials have to really hit the polls if we want to keep laws off the books that divide us and not unite us. And so this, so that Florida law could change. If the Florida House and Senate becomes Democratic, if the governor is Democratic, that law could be written off the book. But right. we, have to, we have to get out and vote. And this lawsuit with Ben Crump would would be moot. Mm-hmm. But once again, we're relying on us to get out and vote. And so, you know, I'm I, I hope that the district court rules in favor of Ben Crump. I hope the court of appeals will rule because it's going to go up the track. Like who, whatever mm-hmm. side loses, it's going up. And I believe it's going to mm-hmm. get to the United States Supreme Court. It'll be my hope that the Supreme Court looks at this, looks at the our country, our history of our country, look at where we are now with the uh, you know assimilation of cultures and you know just the different perspectives of the different uh, cultures that have come together and created this great country, even though we still have our flaws. I will hope they will look at all that and say, "That's not right. We mm-hmm. we not going to agree with that." Right. You know? So um, that's how I see it playing out. It's going to be a long, drawn out legal battle, but. The quickest way to fix it, honestly, is to Florida needs to hit those polls, just like Michigan did. We flipped the uh, Senate, and well, let me say this: the House and the Senate are Democratic for the first time in my life. Mm. Like this think they said, like forty years in my life, I've never seen until till recently, till now, I never seen the Michigan House of Representative, Michigan Senate Democratic, and with a Democratic governor. 
Right. Never seen it. Right. You can we can make a lot of headway and change, you know, when we have uh, leadership like that. And so, even if it's all Republican in Florida, e- even if it's all, if we have people who are Republican and say this is wrong, like I, I don't agree with the lifestyle because of my Christian values. For example, a Republican say I don't agree with the lifestyle, of, you know, the LBCCQ plus community because of my conservative Christianity views, but I understand they're human and they have a right. Right. Even if those people in Florida, right. This is, yeah, this is, this case will be a landmark, huge case. Think about it, Michael. It will change the landscape of education in America. Mm -hmm. And now, right. Learning about our culture will go from, we're going to go to school and expect to learn something about African-American history. So now our parents got to teach it to us. Now our households, our communities got to teach it to it because it's not sanctioned in schools. And and you bring up a good point as we get ready to go to break. I saw an uh, interesting video that uh, Luke, uh, mem- former member of Two Live Crew, put out uh, just recently. I'm not sure if you saw it, but he basically said thank you to Governor DeSantis because you know what you've done. You put the onus back on parents. To teach their to teach their young people about African American history, because he said now it's now it becomes our responsibility to tell them the truth about themselves and to tell them the truth about who this country is and what this country is and where we go from here. So I I uh, I applaud uh, uh, people like him uh, for. Uh, stepping out there and and basically it, you know putting the responsibility back on parents because it, mm-hmm. it, it it that's where it should start um but then we should be able to our, our educational institutions we should have confidence that they will tell the truth about right. uh, our history because that's what history does it history tells the truth about uh, about what happened, the facts. Exactly. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you're, you're, in, you're in law. The, 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 you know, history is. Uh, you know, if you ever want to know what what happened, uh, that's what you look to. You look to the historical facts. Uh, exactly. of a case and that's what tells you what happened you can't go into a courtroom and 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 redact history because it happened it, it this exactly. is this is this is the evidence that took place this is what happened this is what we'll use to make a determination on a any particular case so you can't redact history and and that's what they're trying to do uh you know uh Roland Martin uh, we all know who he is he wrote a book about white fear and the the browning of America, and this is uh this is a part of the uh, the political agenda of white conservatives because they are fearful of uh, our culture. They're fearful of African Americans and our culture, and this is all a part of the agenda to use education to reindoctrinate this next generation of young African Americans. So uh, I hope that this. This uh this case this lawsuit uh is successful. Uh, they do strike down this this uh, racist policy in the state of Florida, yeah. and we're able now to move on and move forward with uh, teaching the truth about African American history. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because I'll, Thurgood Marshall, uh, you know uh, Charles Hemmings in Houston, uh, you know here in in Pontiac. Uh, uh, 
uh, Albert Hatchett. You know, these are black African-American historical figures. And imagine growing up in Florida, I'm being a young kid in Florida, the law passed, I don't learn about these historical figures. You know, I don't learn about or James Baldwin. What Dr. Martin Luther King was fighting about. James Baldwin. About, you know, James Baldwin. Bedrick Douglas. You know, the talented Tim, W.E.B. Du Bois. Like, imagine me not learning the, the Niagara movement. None of this. Imagine me not learning none of this. You know, right. why is it that we have to, our history has to be a mystery and mm. everybody else's is laid out there. Why? You know, and so I really hope this gets struck down um, because, you know, it's just, we're living a lie. America is teaching a lie if we don't teach the whole story. And yes, yeah, ugly, but we have to use that history to allow us to not act like that in the future, to keep us humble and keep us focused on until everyone is liberated, there's no freedom. Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, I know you're enjoying my interview with the Honorable Jeremy Bowie newly appointed judge of the 50th district in Pontiac, Michigan. So happy to have him on this week's Black History Month edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Guys, we're getting ready to take another break. But when we come back, we're jumping right back into my interview with this honorable uh, honorable judge, uh, Jeremy Bowie of the 50th district. Guys, you don't want to go anywhere. Again, you're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnimmons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. All pro football player Derek Mason on Jay Z in the NFL. Jay Z said, you know, we're past milling. Because Jay Z, you may be past milling, but the guys that are still milling, the guys that are still fighting for injustice, they're not past milling. Everybody's screaming that, oh, Jay Z's at the table now. We should be happy that one of us is at the table. Just because you're at the table doesn't mean we all eat the same. Poet and lyricist Ty Scott King on the culture 
of CHH. My brain is overloaded. Like, I think a lot of people are like, man, there's not really many people doing this. There are thousands of very amazing artists that are doing Christian hip-hop. I think about Aaron Cole. I think about Stephen Malcolm, who, if there's someone that could hear an interview and be like, I want to work with him, like, he would be a person that I, I would love to work with. He's just a phenomenal rapper, just really creative. Wande, she's another one that, uh, another artist that I had on my radio show. She is, um, Wande is maybe in her early 20s. She's doing a lot of stuff now with Reach Records and just really different, <laughs> really, um, going against the grain. Griff from Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell on what he does besides comedy. Yeah, yeah. Comedy is always my first my first job. Radio is my side job, but I just um, got a nonprofit. I've been working with other people's nonprofits for the last thirty years. Um, and I just created my own nonprofit, five oh one C three called the Process Success Foundation to deal with leadership. And basically, I'm just gonna take a bunch of young men on field trips all around the world. And I can show you how during the NHL season that all basketball stadiums have ice on them with the hardwood over the ice. Once I show you those processes, then I can teach you the process forgiveness. I can teach you the process of love. I can teach you the process of being grateful. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Global advocate, Martin Luther King III. You know, I've had an extraordinary uh, life discussing what it's like being the son of an iconic legend as Dr. King. Uh, um, so many opportunities that I shared with my father in a very short period of time. I was 10 years old when he was killed in 1968. And uh, of course I shared far more opportunities because I had uh, the ability, well, because my mother lived so much longer. Uh, started the Martin Luther King Center for Nonviolent Social Change. Uh, worked very hard to get the Martin Luther King uh, Junior, uh, junior uh, National Holiday. So I look at it as a tremendous, uh, really blessing. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. All right, guys, we are back, and I know you're enjoying my interview with the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, newly appointed judge of the 50th District in Pontiac, Michigan. He is with us on this week's Black History Edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Guys, we're so very excited to have him on the show. And in the last segment, we were talking about what's happening in the state of Florida. And uh, just really, I, I just really enjoy 
chopping it up with uh, with uh, Jeremy because you know he is um, he, he he's well adept uh, in when it comes to uh, you know this political landscape and of course he's in the legal profession so it's always good to talk uh, talk to him about some of the legal ramifications of uh, of legislation like this and uh, speaking of that we're t- we're going to jump into another. Um, uh, matter that um, has caught the nation's attention yet again, unfortunately, because of, um, you know, because of this uh, uh, growing epidemic of police brutality. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's sad now that um, it involves um, uh, five black police officers uh, that uh, are now the, uh, the, 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 the criminals uh, in this particular case. So right out the gate, I want to know what are your thoughts on the five police officers that killed uh, this young man, Tyree Nichols, senselessly during a routine traffic stop a few weeks ago. The officers have been fired and charged with the murder of Tyree Nichols. Uh, Do you think that uh, they will ultimately be convicted and indicted? I think they will. Um, you know, the um, it's the, the the body cam is just ridiculous. You know, I watched it, you know, um, you know, my friends, we usually sit around, we're pretty, you know, we talk about world events. They couldn't even watch it. You know, it, it was, it was troubling to them. You know, he gets stopped for reckless driving. And when you see the body cam of the officers approaching the car at the intersection, now, you know, there's two different scenes. There's an intersect section uh, scene and then there's one on that street corner where the camera was when he was about I think 100 feet away from his house that first scene I mean they came in hot like it's a reckless driving you know it's not a not reckless driving causing the accident causes serious injury or body impairment or death it's just a reckless driving right and they come in right. hot as if he's a fugitive for a murder or justice. <laughs> right and so I mean, they were mad. They opened the door. They snatched him out. You know, um, language uh, talking about uh, they're gonna kill him and um, you know uh, beating him. And he's like, "I'm already down. Chill out. What are you doing?" Like he's like, "I'm already down on the ground." You know. And at that point, they can arrest him. Then they take the tasers out and fire at him. And I just think he did what any normal person would do. When you're in a situation of, of, of life and death, you're either gonna fight or flight. Mm-hmm. He fighted. He ran. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. And unfortunately, later on, he didn't. And so now we get to the scene where, so one of the cams is right there, perfectly on the corner. It's funny how these these uh, cameras are in the community to police us, but really, police be it really be policing the police. Yeah, the police. The police. Yeah, without this camera, we would because the other body cams were not that great. Yeah, and so, you know, you see him on, you know, you see Tyree Nichols on the corner, and you see two officers, I think, was wrestling with him, you know, trying to arrest him, trying to arrest him. You know, they were, you know, roughing him up, but they weren't beating him. Then you see one officer come out of, around the car and just kick him three times. And then you see another officer comes with the nightstick, you know, and just beats him on the arm multiple times. They stand him up, and then one officer, I punched him at least four times. I believe there was a fifth time that sent him down to the ground. 
they absolutely deserve to be charged and face justice. Black, white, Asian, Indian, Mexican, Puerto Rican, I don't care who you are. They beat this young man. He was let, you know what's so sad about all this, Michael, is when George Floyd died, he was screaming out for his mother. Right. She was in heaven. When he was getting beat, he was screaming out for his mother. I sat back and I thought like, like, there is a critical relationship of black moms and black sons. Mm-hmm. That that relationship is critical. It, you know, it really doesn't have nothing to do with the beating, but the fact that he we, he was calling out for his to mother, his mother, right, to his mother, and she was less than hundred feet. I bring it up because I saw an interview where she said, "I failed my son." Yeah, he was calling out for me, and I failed him. Like, like absolutely, those officers should be charged. And if if, if and this was a special unit. Uh, to me, a special unit Scorpion means... Scorpion unit, from what I understand, right. right. Scorpion unit means these are folks that are have a little more training or a little more skills than what the others had. If this is what Memphis has to offer, Memphis is in trouble. Yeah. They're in trouble. The city is in trouble. So, you know, they absolutely should be um, fired and charged. And that family should bring one of the largest lawsuits in the history against the Memphis Police Department. And I don't care if the department survives... Or, or, or folds because of it. Because yeah. this was a departmental issue. This was a department. These guys were not trained well. And you can see it from the start of the interaction all the way to the- When you talk about the interview of, uh, of Tyree's mother, she even said she felt she had a stomach ache around the time where her son was being uh, uh, beaten and brutalized by those five uh, police officers. And you know, I don't know if there's some kind of spiritual connection, uh, mystical connection, you know, with that, with the mother and her, and her son in some way. Who knows? God could have put that in place uh, to let her know that her son was in trouble. But I did see in the video, he hollered out, Mom, you know, and and and, and I didn't know that she was that he was 100 feet from his house, uh, less than 100 feet from his house. And. That just, again, um, gives me chills, especially given the fact that these five police officers have to share the same color as the young man that they are beaten and brutalized. They treated him like an inanimate object. Um, I saw a headline where uh, they, they, they treated him like a pinata. They, they kicked him like a pinata and... Um, it's, it's sad to see that in one photo of those five officers, when they were in uniform, um, they show them all smiling. And then, uh, then I see the, uh, photos that they released after they had been officially charged. None of them are smiling, (laughs) you know, because now the reality of what they just done, they're faced with. And, uh, I, I really believe the book should be thrown at them. Um, they should uh, not just be fired, charged, but but definitely indicted and 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 go to prison uh, for life because this young man did not deserve to uh, to die like this. It, this was definitely, excuse me, this was definitely not the way that traffic stop should have gone. You know, Black Lives Matter uh, board member uh, uh, Dejan Parker provided a recent statement about the death of Tyree Nichols. And he said, and I quote, five police officers brutally beat Tyree to death. And although 
the media has spent a great amount of time drawing attention to the fact that the police officers are black, as if that is important, uh, let us be clear. All police represent the interests of capitalism and impale state-sanctioned violence. Anyone who works within a system that perpetuates state-sanctioned violence is complicit in upholding white supremacy. Assimilation into a system that is anti-black is one of the most dangerous weapons stemming from white supremacy, unquote. I want to know from you, because we've been really waiting to hear from the Black Lives Matter movement because of the, the, the obviously the skin color of the, the officers, because we know that historically um, police brutality has been uh, assigned to the white uh, white men, white male officers, and you don't necessarily see that from uh, African-American officers. But, you know, this statement here uh, the, the from the Black Lives Matter movement seems to kind of put everybody into one pot and basically uh, say that they all are um, bad apples and and that um, uh, they all are basically supporting a system of white supremacy. Do you agree with that? So I feel not all officers are bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel for outside of the victims, the deceased and the, their families of police brutality, I feel bad for the good officers. Right. Because you never know when you're doing a traffic stop the correct way and you got an individual in the car, a black man, woman, teenager, who has just seen a black male, woman, teenager get killed, they want to survive that that interaction, so they turn on that officer. Mm -hmm. And that officer is a good officer who hasn't done anything but just made a traffic stop. Right. So these five Memphis police officers have made it dangerous for their uh, comrades who do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And so do we need police in our community? Yes, we do. We need policing. We need, but we need, we need policing that's compassionate. We need policing that's familiar with the community. Um, and so, you know, I agree a parts with his statement, but not, not fully with his statement. Um, and so if we can get officers in the community who are trained and who respect the community, communities, no matter the skin color or socioeconomic uh, status of individuals, then I think we can have safe, reliable, and community-based policing. But when we don't have that, as you can see with these officers who are not trained, you know, and who are uh, 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 just vengeance with a gun, vengeance, uh, uh, anger with a badge and a gun, you, you, you get these situations where they roll up to a reckless driving situation and turn it into a, a, a really a homicide caused by them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think what we need is, is better police training, but to me, something has to come from the federal level. It has to be federal mandates. You know, I was thinking, well, what does the Homeland Security do besides TSA check me for a gun or whatever at the airport? Is there a department within um, the Homeland Security that says uh, 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 Homeland Policing? Mm -hmm. They set the standards for each and every single officer because, Michael, a person with PTSD or schizophrenia is in Florida is no different from Oregon. Right, right. You know? And so 
you know, what standards do we have on a national level that we grade each and every police department, each and every officer say, hey, you're doing this right. Hey, you're doing this wrong. Here's funding to take care of this. Or here's funding to get rid of the guns. Mm-hmm. Or here's funding to get rid of the uh, armored vehicles that you're driving around in, in the neighborhood like it's martial law. Right. So if we can get policing that's training-oriented, community-oriented, compassion-oriented, then I think it's something that people respect. People respect good policing. We just don't respect bad policing. Right. And that's a good point you make. And and it's a great segue into my next question because here I hear again us talking about police reform, uh, criminal justice reform, and there is still a George Floyd uh, justice, uh, uh, a George Floyd um, uh, justice uh, bill that was passed in the House, but but it's still sitting on the table in the Senate and has not yet been been uh, uh, made into law. Uh, so you know. That is, again, I think problematic, but even but I want to take this even a step further than just police reform, because uh, I read a tweet recently that I thought was very, very interesting. And the tweet was I can't remember exactly who it was uh, from, but I, I was floored when I read it. It said the system isn't broken. It's fixed. The system isn't broken is fixed. And then I also remember director Ava DuVernay uh, saying something similar to this when she, uh, when she uh, directed the, the movie about the exonerated five uh, and uh, in New York. And she said, the system doesn't need to be reformed. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, and, you know, these are, these are similar uh, characterizations of the American criminal justice system. But, you know, I want to know from someone that's actually sitting within this system, do you agree with both of these assertions of, of the American criminal justice system? I believe it's the system is, is not broken. I believe there's a, a fix in it. And I agree with that statement because when you look at the American ju- criminal justice system, when done right, it's it, when the police show up and they do their job of getting the evidence, getting the witnesses, chain of custody is, is tight. You know, they're not manipulating the, uh, the scene or the evidence and it gets to the prosecutor. They they uh, file the right charges. You know, they, they, they not try to pad the charges up. It gets to court and it runs smoothly through court and you get the conviction that's what it's about or when things are done right and somewhere in that system someone says oh this is a violation of your fourth amendment uh, uh right to search and seizure or this is a violation of your fifth or sixth amendment right when that system catches that and kicks it that's another way that the system when done right works but like like uh ava duvernay say it is not broken it's fixed Somewhere in there in the system is someone knows something is wrong, but they won't do anything about it Mm -hmm. or that 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 they know that there's some way we're policing our communities that that focuses on this set of people. And we're not going to talk to them about it. We're not going to figure out the issue. We're going to keep incarcerating, keep incarcerating, keep, you know, jamming them up, keeping them in the system. And so. 
it takes once again oversight we have to start policing our communities like we got to start having police boards to say hey this officer acting wrong this one needs to be done or this officer needs to be within this community so that way they know the community so when when uh for example jane down the street is having a, a mental health issue or laquisha down the street having a mental health issue not to shoot her not to slam her not to but to work with her to call in that social worker that works at the police station or that psychologist to come down and talk to the person and de-escalate the situation and then build a community-based uh, communication about her with the other neighbors in the neighborhood. So when we get called on and say, hey, LaQuisha is out, if she's in my yard, I don't really want her in my yard, the police come and say, hey, you know, with the social worker. So it's it's not fixed. I mean, it's not broken, but it's fixed. And so I think it takes people to really want to make it happen. That's it. Like mm-hmm. that, that, George Form- that George Floyd bill, if people want it to happen, it will happen. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um, I, I agree once again with what she stated, um, but it takes change agents who really want to make change. We have to push the, we have to push individuals like that in the system. Right. We have to. Right. Like, we cannot sit back and just say, oh, you talk a good game, man. I really wish you could. No, hey, we need you in the system. What You need some campaign money. You need support. What do you need? We need to get you in the system. That way you can make change. And so we got to start supporting these people and elevating to higher levels. And that's the way we'll see change. We got to vote and we got to be civically engaged. And that's how we change our communities. And so um, when done right, the system... It's one of the it's the best in the world, but when it's not done right, when it's biased or when it's uh impart when it's uh, partial, then you get results that that we've been getting. And you get a community who feels like the system has been against them, and it's not going to ch- turn around and change. But I think it takes all of us individually. Me as a judge, it's is is you coming in a court and me not prejudging you, isn't it? It's, it's me not looking at you saying you look like this or looking at your history and say, because this have happened to you, you must have did this. It's mm-hmm. looking at this and saying, hey, it's probable cause to believe this or, hey, you know, yes, you did this. And then also looking at evidence and say, you didn't do this or, you know, that your rights were infringed upon and you as a human, no matter how much money you have or, who, or how much education you have, you have these rights and they should not be infringed upon. We're sorry good day absolutely absolutely to hear that from a judge i mean that 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 uh i think it it uh it it hits a a a a lot differently because you're sitting in a different seat and and you're not you're 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 not um uh you're not uh patting the police on the back or you're not protecting the police officers um like some some might say has been done in the past uh in this within this system or you hear about the prosecuting attorneys that are in kind of uh in cahoots with the police department uh which is a reason why or the district attorneys are in the in in cahoots with the police department which is a reason why a lot of them don't uh end up being charged and indicted for uh the police brutality cases that they are involved in so um but to hear you say that there needs to be compassion there needs to be empathy we need to treat people like human beings because i think police brutality is and dr king's uh, uh the way dr king views it is one of the greatest inhumanities to man 
when we mistreat our own humankind, regardless of race, creed, or color, we all are human beings. And, uh, and so, um, that, that was, that was lost. And when you see videos like this, where this young man was basically just, uh, dehumanized and, and, and treated like he was not, uh, he was, was treated like he was an animal. He was treated, uh, and this was a routine traffic stop, a routine traffic stop, you know, and you can understand why people get uncomfortable when they see those lights behind them. They say, oh, and they go to, you know, searching for ID and certain, you know, they, you know, uh, what did I do? And, 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 and they can, you can understand the frustration from some pedestrians, some people, uh, you know, when they kind of get into uh, arguments or debates with the police because they, they, they have that in the back of their mind about what could happen, even though that officer may not be one of the bad apples that uh, is responsible primarily for those uh, police brutality cases. But I think we got, yeah, you, you know, there's something that's got to happen, uh, you know, and it, it all goes back. It all boils down to us being more civically engaged, uh, us going to the polls and voting, you know, not just the senior population, but we got to get generation uh, uh, Z out there. We got to get the millennials out there. You know, we've got to come together as a people, as a community, and we've got to go to the polls and vote. And that's where uh, politicians will hear us. That's when, when, when we go to the polls and when we vote, that's where our voices are heard because then they know, okay, we, we, we're removing, we're removing you from office because you're, you're not serving in our best interests. That's how you make your that's how you make your point uh, to politicians who are not listening, who are not taking your calls, who are not who, who say they they are uh, doing your bidding. Uh, but you but but they're actually not. They're actually doing their bidding. They're there for themselves. And that's how you remove them. That's how you fire them. You you vote them out of office and then you select or you pick. Uh, the candidate that is serving in your best interest. And I think we forget that. We forget that it all comes back down to voting. We've got to be more civically engaged and we've got to do our due diligence uh, to make sure that we're putting the right people in office. You agree with that? I agree 100%. Yeah, we got to do something, guys. I know you have enjoyed my interview with the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, newly uh, appointed judge of the 50th District in Pontiac, Michigan. We again congratulate you on this elevation. I think it could, I, I don't think of a, I can't think of a, a better person to serve in this position. You have uh, our support uh, as a podcast community. We thank you so much for being with us, taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule, I'm sure, to be a part of, uh, of this. Um, of this conversation about uh, police brutality, about what's happening in the state of Florida and much more. Uh, but before I let you go, man, I wanna know from you as we get ready to close out this interview, you know, we're in Black History, we're celebrating Black History Month. Uh, I want you to share with us, who are some of your black leaders and role models that have inspired you to pursue your dreams and goals? 
Yeah, so I always take it back to, you know, obviously Dr. Martin Luther King, I mean, to uh, lead the mass movement he did, not only, it's hard to change people's perspectives, right? You know, and so he took that on his shoulders and really changed the world. And to this day, his name is still relevant. His speech still reverberates throughout history. And so, you know, I, I honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., not only as a man, as a frat brother, you know, um, but just just a figure of change, really a change agent. Mm-hmm. Then you got Thurgood Marshall, who um, has uh, the first black su- male Supreme Court justice, first black Supreme Court justice, um, just opening that door to allow a Clarence Thomas to come through, to allow even a Kantanji uh, Brown Jackson, Brown Jackson, Kentucky Brown Jackson to come through, and even if you look here on the state level, uh, Kyra Bolden Harris, who the first uh, black female Michigan Supreme Court justice, and so you know, definitely him. Uh, President Barack Obama, obviously a a man of this high class, high intellect. I mean, it's just very graceful. Um, I mean, the, the only scandal he ever had was wearing a brown suit. I mean, that's just how clean he was. <laughs> right, right. You know, just, Right, just a lovely black family uh, wife who was just incredible. The smartest and the best first lady we've ever had. So, you know, those are three really black men who have really stood out to me and who's really, I look at and say, you know, if if I can be a, a tenth or even a, a, a millionth of, of what they are and what they've done, you know, it, it'll be amazing. And so, and, you know, I, I just I think the the local people around here, like the Ty Perkins, who I, I look up to, um, Dwayne Brown's uh, former prosecutor, Wayne County prosecutor's office, just just got the job done, was really clean and, and, and really were wholesome and great men. You know, just a plethora of them. But in history, those three, you know, they really stand out to me as 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 models. An example, I would love to meet you know, President Obama uh, one day, you know, just have a lunch with him, you know, just pick his mind and, and see what what we need to do as the next generation to take this country and this world over. So those are my three. That's awesome. That is awesome. And I, I completely agree with you. And um, uh, uh, Dr. King is definitely high on my list. Uh, we did a show just a couple weeks ago, uh, Remembering the King, and we talked about how he's made an indelible uh, impact in my life, and I'm sure the lives of millions others, uh, people not just in this country and our community, but even around the world. Uh, he was definitely a, a great man of conscience, and um, you know, um, definitely President Obama. Uh, yes. I, I completely agree with you with that, um, and uh, you know, just it, there's so many. Uh, so many African Americans, I think uh, we could we could look to during this month as a, as shining examples of of the best and brightest uh, of our culture and our community. So yes, I, I completely agree with everyone that you've uh, you mentioned. But ma'am, thank you so much for for being with us. I know we've taken up a lot of your time, but I really appreciate you um, and much success to all that you're doing. Uh, in your new position as uh, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, newly appointed judge for the 50th District in Pontiac, Michigan. Congratulations again to you, and may God continue to bless you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. 
Absolutely. Guys, this is Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio right. Show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jamel Hill, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with my man, Michael Nimmons. Stay locked. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. It's time, 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 Take a listen. Amen and amen. I want you to look at your neighbor on today and tell them, neighbor, keep on dreaming. Look at that other neighbor and tell them, neighbor, keep on dreaming. Come on and give God a praise in this place. They saw him afar off even before he came near unto them they conspired against him so to slay him and they said one to another behold this dreamer cometh come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit and we shall say some evil beasts have devoured him we shall see what will become of his dreams. The story of Joseph in many ways is characteristic of the plight of African Americans in this country. Joseph's story in many ways parallels certain aspects of the African slave trade that brought our ancestors from the deserts of Africa to the cotton fields of America. Africans just like Joseph were chosen by God to be a great people likewise Joseph had within his own loins a nation that God had chosen before 
the foundations of the world. Africans, just like Joseph, were intelligent and industrious people who were known as the architects of early human civilization. Joseph, we learn as his story unfolds, is also a young man of great intellect and industry, which ironically is revealed in the midst of his own bondage. It was when he was thrown into a pit by his own brothers and sold into slavery by the Midianites. In Genesis 39, Joseph was purchased by the Egyptian captain of the guard. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he was prosperous even in Egyptian captivity. It was Egyptian captivity that we discovered Joseph's organizational and leadership skills when he becomes the overseer of the captain of the Egyptian guard's own house. Look at God. It was, and it was in prison after being falsely accused by the captain of the guard's own wife of sexual harassment that Joseph went from prisoner to warden. God's favor followed him from the pit to the palace and even to the prison and all the way to second in command in the house of Pharaoh in Egypt. Just like Joseph, we discover our own ingenuity and creativity, not just in the deserts of Africa, but even as we cultivated and colonized this continent, but even in the cotton fields of this country, we discovered our own genius and ingenuity. It was Eli Whitney that was the inventor of the cotton gin. It was George Washington Carver who invented peanut butter along with 518 products from crops. Another example of our genius. Example of our genius being realized in the midst of our own struggle. We went from mere, inv mere in inventory to inventors. We went from mere slaves to senators. We went from mere capital to Capitol Hill. We went from the plantations of the South all the way to the White House. I wish I had a witness in this place. You hang with me, I'm going somewhere. Our genius cannot be contained as a people. Our creativity cannot be marginalized. Our intellect cannot be underestimated. Not only did we have the ability to adapt to our environment, but just like Joseph, we were given the ability to excel and even transcend our own circumstances. People of God, we not only survive, but we thrive. We flourished, we conquered, we overcame. This is why our history is so marvelous because it embodies resiliency. It, it, it exudes ebulliency. It reflects triumph over tragedy. Just when the enemy thought we had taken our last breath as a people, we were actually taking a minute to inhale and exhale.
and we're back for another round. Do I have a witness in this place? This is our genius as a people. Talking about our history. Can I do that for a few minutes? And we see this all throughout Joseph's story as well as our story that some still like to refer to it as his story, but we know the truth. Isn't that right, Governor DeSantis? The parallels of Joseph's story and our story is even crystallized in our text in Genesis, the 37th chapter, verse number 18. Joseph's brothers conspired against him, seeing him afar off. Their jealousy knew no boundaries. Their jealousy had no limitations. They said to themselves, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast have devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Joseph's brothers who were tired, they were tired of hearing about Joseph's dreams. They were tired of Jacob's favoritism towards Joseph. Tired of being overshadowed by the light of God's favor emanating from their youngest brother. Tired of seeing Joseph walk around and prance around with this coat of many colors. They wanted to get rid of Joseph. And just like Joseph's brothers, the white Europeans that were envious of Africans' ingenuity and creativity. They were envious of our ingenuity. They were envious of our knack for agriculture. They were envious of our creativity. They saw us afar off and wondered to themselves, how can we profit from this? They wondered to themselves, how can we capitalize off of them? How can we use their skill set to our advantage? So they conspired against us and concocted a plan that took 400 years to unravel. Plan that would involve the enslavement of an entire race of people. Plan that would involve the dehumanization of an entire ethnicity. Plan that would involve the mental and physical imprisonment of an entire continent. Plan that's still being perpetuated even today. That's right, this is why they don't want you to talk about critical race theory or institutional slavery or institutional racism. Isn't that right, Governor DeSantis? Plan that's still being perpetuated inside the prison industrial complex. This is why they don't want you to teach the truth about our history to the next generation of young students. But I just stopped by to let you know today that as long as I have breath in my body, I'm going to speak the truth 
and speak the truth the power do I have a witness in this place our people of God this country was built on the backs of our of African ancestors it was built off the blood sweat and tears of our black brothers and sisters just like the verse from the Negro National Anthem, lift every voice and sing. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in the days where hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. Ah, we have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughter. Out from the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. And it's this last stanza where the iconic and legendary composer James Weldon Johnson gives credit where credit is due. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, keep us forever on the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the place, our God, where we met Thee. Lest our heart drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. People of God, he has brought us from a mighty, mighty long way. We ought to give God a praise for that in this place. Guys, I hope you were blessed by the excerpt of our recent message entitled Keep On Dreaming. Keep On Dreaming. We're going to put the full message on our Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel. Make sure you check it out there and leave us your comments. Leave us your feedback. We hope and pray that it blesses you. Guys, I hope that you believe now that you need to keep on dreaming, keep on praying, keep on fasting, keep on grinding. Don't let the enemy stop you. Don't let the enemy discourage you. Don't let the enemy convince you that it's not going to happen because you're too close to give up now. Keep on dreaming because it's getting ready to happen. Guys, I want to give a special shout out to my good friend, the Honorable Jeremy Bowie, recently appointed judge of the 50th district in Pontiac, Michigan by Governor Gretchen Whitmore. Special shouts out to him for being our guest on this week's History Makers edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I'm so uh, godly proud of this young man. He's doing some big things and he's also working with us to get a, a, another guest on the show, another historic guest as a part of the 
Quick History Makers series of interviews that we have set up for the month of February celebrating Black History Month. So guys, keep your fingers crossed because we've got a big guest that is coming and I can't wait to share that interview with you in just a couple of weeks. Don't forget next week we're going to be sharing with you an interview with state senator chevron jones he's going to be our guest on this on next week's edition of the thinking out loud radio show talking about what is going on in the state of florida and what kind of impact is, can that have on the entire country because there are other other states rather that are looking to adopt this kind of legislation to block african-american studies in their educational institutions so we are going to get down to brass tacks next week with our special guest uh, senator chevron jones of the state of florida i look forward to talking to you sharing with you this interview on next week Guys, remember to follow us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and now even TikTok, guys, at TOL Radio Host MSN, at TOL Radio Host MSN, uh, Facebook.com uh, forward slash Thinking Out Loud HQ, guys. We are so excited about our uh, social media platforms, engaging our listeners, engaging those uh, who are liking our posts, sharing our posts, and much much more guys uh, feel free again to leave us your comments leave us your feedback because we're going to share them right here on the thinking out loud radio show podcast and again if you're listening to this podcast for the first time we want to welcome you and we hope you subscribe we hope you continue listening we hope you share these posts and share uh, these uh, podcasts with your friends and with your family I look forward to uh, sharing this journey with you uh, as we go and move forward well guys we're getting ready to get out of here but until next time always remember if you think it you can believe it if you can believe it you can see it if you can see it you can be it the power rests within you the mind is the most powerful muscle in your body use what you got to get what you want the power is in you it's the thinking out loud radio show thank you for listening you for tuning in to this week's edition of the thinking out loud radio show if you enjoyed the show please subscribe to the podcast want to be a guest on the podcast send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com tune in each week for the thinking out loud radio show podcast giving voice to issues that matter to you